Good morning, church. Always good to be back with you, and the same is no different. I'm glad our guests are with us today. But, you know, as introduction to getting into this, I want to stop that for just a second and just say, thank God for a, a congregation that uh, loves young people and, and has a Sunday school hour to teach them the Bible, and they have uh, the focus group on Sunday night, and the youth sponsors that go to that uh, teach those kids, and Jaylee Renee Banks was baptized into Christ today. And, uh, but number one, I want to celebrate parents who raise their children in the Lord. Amen? All right, very good. Well, guys, we are in Colossians, and you can go ahead and take time to turn there as we talk about today the Christian and their career. Now, the news doesn't cease to amaze us, does it? You know, the news comes out of the northeast, west, and south, and that's how we got the word news, because everything comes from the northeast, west, and... Okay. Some enjoyed it, some didn't. That's all right. That's right. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah, so the news doesn't cease to amaze us, because Tuesday, March 12th, when the news story broke about actresses Lori Laughlin and Felicity Huffman. But you know what? They were not the only ones. Uh, did you go on the Internet by any chance and tag into a news story? The long list of people. Now, I went through that list looking for your name. And you weren't in there. And I didn't know the rest of the names. I had just witnessed uh, the actresses before. But this is over the alleged college admissions cheating scam. And uh, our nation's poor, uh, we say that they uh, feel entitled to certain things in this life and they want the government to provide it. I want you to know the rich are entitled people. And they think that they can buy their way and buy their way for their children to success. And this is one story that broke. I'm sorry it happened, but I, I want you to be aware that you might not be a multi-millionaire, but we as Christians need to guard ourselves as to how we scam on a local level. We need to be very careful about how we live. Uh, cheating, fraud, envy, lying, lust, desire, wanting, we all get ourselves in that mindset once in a while. And, and if we stay faithful in the scriptures and have a, a Christian camaraderie with a team of people around us, we can get out of those ugly situations before we ever get into them. And uh, we need that. Dishonesty is everywhere. How many of you remember Billy Joel and he sang a song about honesty? Remember that? It, it is. It's such a lonely word. And that's what he wrote and sang about it. Do you remember the year? 1978. Oh, my, you were wrong. Okay, so 1978, honesty is such a lonely word. Everyone is so untrue. Honesty is hardly ever heard, and mostly, it's what I need from you. Okay, there's a, a preacher. I, I love to read uh, his material. Uh, Charlie Crow down in Florida. He's a Christian church minister, and he's been a minister all his life, and he went into church consulting for many years, and, 
And now he works bivocationally. And that means he's working a job and trying to still make an impact in this world for Christ while he works in the public sector. And, and in that, he is going through training for the company. And here's what he says. I am stunned at the ease with which sales training gives itself over to deceptions and fabrications. From simple dishonesties to false representation, much of my sales training has focused on bending the truth, ignoring the truth, rejecting the truth. I was told, yes, this is a lie, but people need this. So lying to them to convince them to get it is okay. My failure to use approved sales strategies may result in my dismissal, but I'm okay with that. Wow. What we are called upon in this life to do for someone else. We have perfected the idea of dishonest gain. We all know about inflated advertising. Uh, we know about people selling inferior products. But how about super extended coffee breaks? How about calling in sick when you're perfectly well? How about going golfing when you're supposed to be working? How about a host of creative ways to rationalize uh, being paid for goofing off. Same way, isn't it? In the book of Colossians, Paul identifies us as new men and new women for Christ. We are spiritual rather than fleshly. We are ambassadors for Jesus. We are new creatures for Christ. We have new priorities. We have new speech patterns. We have new family relationships. And according to our text today, uh, we have a new perspective about our work. It all comes out of this letter to the church at Colossae. And so you've turned to the scripture. Let's go ahead and read chapter 3, 22 through chapter 4, verse 1. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, Treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. And that's what we're talking about today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you today and we celebrate the baptism of Jaylee. We thank you for men and women that week after week, day after day, moment after moment, they are still faithful to Jesus. I pray, dear God, today that as we try to live for Christ, I pray that as we examine this text, that each one of us will be willing to allow the text to examine us. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, the first thing that we need to see is Paul's attitude concerning uh, slavery. Now, it said bondservant, uh, but he was talking about slaves that be had become Christians. And Paul speaks more uh, about slavery than he does 
husband and wife relationships. He talks more about slavery than he does parent and child relationships. And he wrote, as you can see on the screen, that he wrote another time about this in 1 Corinthians 7, 21. And uh, he wrote that about, uh, were you a bondservant when called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can uh, avail freedom, avail yourself uh, for the opportunity to free yourself, do. But he didn't want it to happen through revolting. He didn't want it to come about by uh, quitting your job and just uh, running. He wanted them to seek their slavery, their freedom as a slave legally. Until then, he says, I want you to obey your masters. Can you fathom that? I mean, honestly, can you fathom that? And this is what I'm applying to employee and employer relationships. Uh, He didn't want Christianity to be misconstrued as an anti-slavery movement. Who are these Christians? Try to imagine 1,900 some odd years ago. Who are these Christians? Oh, well, they're the anti-slavery movement. Boy, you let them come to town. And they're going to they're gonna be in the streets parading with signs, and they're going to have all the slaves. No, that's not what Paul wanted out of them. See, the Roman Empire uh, had a lot of slaves in it. And they did not want the Roman Empire to mark their slaves for fear that the slaves would revolt. And the slaves, in many cases, were better educated than their masters. You want an example of that? How about Joseph in the Old Testament in Potiphar's household? Potiphar uh, turned everything over to Joseph because he was educated, except for his what? (laughs) Except for his wife, exactly right. And Paul didn't want the precious bride of Christ uh, to uh, be misunderstood as a revolution uh, that it was, why does the church exist? It's here in our town because they want to set the slaves free. That's not what he wanted the church to be known as. He wanted the church of Christ to be known as uh, the, the one that talked about Jesus that died on the cross for our sins. He wanted the church to be known as, they're the ones that preach about that Jesus that raised from the dead and their hope is internal, eternal life after the grave. That's what he wanted the church to be known as. And so for, let me explain it further. What if I came to town here and uh, you thought I came to preach Christ in the, in the empty tomb? That's what you hired me for. But boy, once I got here, I'm really, I'm really preaching against politics. And I just rally people in town against politics. And you go, what, what, what's this all about? It's the same thing, what Paul is right about slavery. It's the same thing if I had come here to revolt against state gambling or anti-abortion or to rally against the state selling uh, marijuana or I'd rally against prostitution or I'd rally against pornography. Listen, I want you to know straight up, I'm against those things. But that's not what the church is about. Instead, uh, we are known because Jesus is the Savior of the world, and if you're not saved, you need to get yourself saved quick. You're missing out on the blessings. And I hope that you don't misunderstand me on this point. I'm against social evils, but here's the deal. God's plan is, If you can change the man, you can change the land. And it's not going to come through politics. We have waited. 
We have waited since, what, 1972, 1973 for the law of the land to change on abortion. Every president, that, every, every certain kind of president that ever went to office, office said, I'm against, I'm against abortion. I'm against murdering children. Has anyone ever t- overturned it? Did anyone ever come close? When you can change a man's heart through Jesus Christ, when you can change a lady's heart through Jesus Christ, you'll see things change. That's how it's done. That's how it's done. We come to Christ. He calls us, uh, he calls all men and women to Jesus. He calls all slaves and masters into the same congregation and has called some uncomfortable questions to be asked. A master as a Christian, listen to this, a slave owner, a master as a Christian, he had to ask himself some questions. The Holy Spirit led these, I'm sure. One question, can I own my brother in Christ if we are both owned by Jesus? Hmm. Can I expect my slave to work for me for nothing and call that right and fair? Can I sell the children of my slave? Can I treat him like a brother at church and a tool at home? And the Holy Spirit asked those questions enough until there were cultures that got rid of slavery totally. And we need to get rid of slavery worldwide totally. It is an unnecessary evil. Nevertheless, because of the influence of evangelized men, it made an impact on their culture. And men's hearts were changed and the land was changed. And I believe this text this morning gives us some insight into employer and employee relationships since we don't uh, go by the slave-master idea. All right, so Paul sees a direct correlation between a text we've mentioned for several weeks, verse 17, where it says, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. He sees a direct correlation between that and what you do between 8 and 4 o'clock every day. What you do from 9 to 5. What you do in a shift from from 7 to 7. And this message, I hope, will mean a lot to you. I hope it will give you some food for thought. And so, Paul gives us some principles that should govern our attitude. Number one, we have a heavenly master who supersedes our earthly boss. Over in Matthew 10, 28, it reads this way. It says, and do not fear those who kill the body, your boss at work. (laughs) Do not fear those that kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who can destroy both body and soul. That's Jesus Christ. That's God that can do that. And so you and I uh, are a slave to God, and fortunately, he has adopted us as sons and daughters. Isn't that a cool concept? That we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. And so, listen to to me. If your boss is cantankerous, you're not serving him anyway. You're serving Jesus Christ. And you will continue to work and serve. If If you need to leave that job and go find another job, you do that. But if you have to stay there, then you do your job because Jesus Christ is watching you. 
And that is the teaching of the Word of God. If my boss throws money and power at me to sway me and getting me to do things that I don't believe in, then I am going to retain and keep my Christian integrity regardless of what it costs me. And I will not act like a non-Christian when I'm at work. Number two, we can only be vocationally faithful to God if we are obedient to our earthly boss. Now, go back to the text. I want to read 22 and 23 again. 22, bond servants, or you might say employees, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, employers, uh, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily for the Lord, not for men. I like that. In fact, I like to, hark- I like to, to say that that verse uh, to me is whistle while you work. Don't you just want to go ahead and whistle that right now? No, we're not going <laughs> to. Not going to do it right now. Maybe at the end, huh? Listen to me. NIV says, work with all your heart. You know what the Greek says? The Greek says, from your soul. From your soul. Paul wanted the slaves of that day to serve their masters from their soul. And he wants you today to serve your employer from your soul. Whistle while you work. You're not working for the boss anyway. You're working for Jesus Christ. And that's the importance of this. Uh, We need to realize that our job becomes a stage. It becomes an arena in which we live out our Christian life. We're not a Christian when we get to church only. We're a Christian at home. We're a Christian at work. We live for Jesus. And so we are obedient to God. Number three, our Heavenly Father Uh, will reward us. Let's go back to the text. I want to read 23 again and then jump to 24. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men, knowing that from uh, the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord. Amen. Now, if you work 100% for Jesus Christ on your job and you do the best you can do, there's going to be some things to happen. Number one, there's going to be people to hate you. Why? Because you're speeding the work. They have worked that job forever, and they like their pace. And you're now serving the Lord Jesus Christ, and so you're not going to loaf. In college, I, I had a job at a grocery store. I won't name the brand, although that would be okay. But, but here's a young man. The young men would go back where the stock is and they would hide. They hang out back there, smoke cigarettes. And when they hear the boss's uh, shoes walk on that concrete floor back there, they all grab a box. Now, that's a dead sign to the boss. How can all the guys come out with a box at one time? Dead giveaway. But that's what they did because they were loafing. Hmm. You're going to be criticized. You will be harassed if you are like them. But number two, you'll be promoted. You're hardworking. You're faithful. You're obedient. And, and, and you work hard as if you were working for the Lord Jesus Christ. And men are going to recognize you. They are going to respect you. And they are going to reward you. Hey, but on the other hand, 
if you are unfaithful, you deserve to stay where you are. You deserve to stay there, and you deserve to not receive a promotion or a pay raise because you know, whereas you need that pay raise, you know you're a bum. You know you're cheating the company, and that's just wrong. So number two today. Number two, how do we make the Lord proud of us? Uh, in verse 22, we talked about eye service, uh, lip service, that we were uh, just uh, men pleasers. We're only working to please the boss when he's looking. And that's what that verse is describing in verse 2. And then in verse 24, uh, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, uh, you are serving the Lord. And so I want to tell a story about there once was a, a rich man who owned a large uh, construction company, and he was going to retire. And so he called his, he called his foreman in who had worked for him uh, for 40 years, and he said, listen, he said, you know I'm going to be retiring. I'm getting ready to go on a trip. And he said, uh, I want, here's the plans, and here's the checkbook. I want you to build uh, one of my dear friends. I want you to build uh, a house for him. And the boss man took off, and uh, the, the foreman starts uh, his job. And the foreman, uh, it began to work in his heart. He said, you know, I've been working for this guy for 40 years, and it's time I start patting my nest. It's time I start taking care of myself. He's getting ready to retire. And so, instead of laying the proper depth of foundation, he skimps a little bit, and he puts the difference in his pocket. And instead of buying the nice lumber, he buys seconds, and he puts the difference in his pocket. And rather than building the code on everything, he skimped where he felt he could skimp, and he put the difference in his pocket. And he did this the whole way through, and it looked nice, it looked good, but really it was an inadequate shell. And so his boss came back, and he asked him, what do you think of the house? Foreman said, I'm satisfied with it, I like it. The boss said, that's great, because you know I'm retiring next year, and I wanted to uh, bless you for serving me for 40 years. The house is yours. That's the way it works. The Lord is wanting to reward us for diligently seeking him and being faithful to him in an ugly world. In an ugly world. But the deal is, my friends, he is not going to reward us when we aren't working for him. He will not allow rebellion to go unconfronted. And so that verse 25 on the screen, for the wrongdoer will be paid back. Our God said that. He wrote it, he said it, and he wrote it through the Apostle Paul. All right, so number three today, the employer. And, and we go to chapter four and we read verse one. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Wow. <clears throat> treat those who work for us with respect. If you're a Christian businessman or business lady, don't go around bragging to your friends that you pay the lowest wages in town and you can still get the job done. That's not right and that's not fair. It's not fair for us to hoard the wealth of our business and we won't bless those that, that work their backs down for us and our family. 
Well, we claim relationships are more important to us uh, than money, uh, and our employees come to us and say, I'm in bad shape. I got a family member in the hospital. And so we ask ourselves, where is our level of compassion? And can we bless that employee as he goes through or she goes through a hard time? Remember, you have a master who knows your heart. Luke 12, 48, to whom much has been, much has been given, much is required. If we are blessed by God, we are to take those blessings and spread them. And we believe in that and practice that in the church. And we need to do that if we own our own business. Take care of your people. Number four, what is the motivation? Why do we do these things? Why do we live this way? The Lord has strategically placed us where we can be the most effective. How do you think you got where you are? Did you really think it was you all along? Sad, pitiful heart you have there if you think it's all you. Didn't you pray for help? Didn't you pray for work? Didn't you pray for your business to start up? Didn't you pray for it to grow? God is blessing you for a reason, and we must not blow it. You are a witness. You are a testimony for the Lord. Now, I know most of the time people think, and they hire preachers this way, they think the preacher is the greater witness, and I'm, I'm not doing too well at this, so let's hire a good guy. And let him, let him be the witness in town because I can't be. And I'm telling you that is wrong. I don't know your coworkers. You do. I don't spend eight hours a day or 12 hours a day with coworkers. You do. Live out the Christian life. I'm the weakest uh, witness, by the way. I'm talking to someone, get this now, you've probably never thought of it, or maybe you have. I'm talking to someone, and everything's going fine. Man, we're swapping stories, and we're just enjoying everything, and he says, what do you do? Now, by your laughter or smile, you already know the answer. I say, I'm a preacher, I'm a minister, I have a church. They dust off the halo, and they put it back on. The conversation changes from that moment on, or their face contorts up. They try to still act happy, but now they're trying to get away. You think, you think I'm lying? I can go into a barber shop, and everybody's in the barber shop telling dirty jokes. And I walk in, and they will actually say, Oh, clean it up, boys. The preacher's here. Without fail. Without fail. I am not the strongest witness in the community. You are. Because they are real with you. They are genuine with you. And when you live out the Christian life in an evil world, they notice a difference in you. Relationships are so important, my friends, and we need to develop them, but we've got to be true. We've got to be genuine. We've got to be real. Terry Taylor, a construction worker in Montgomery, Alabama for years, very successful. So he quit his job and he started a construction company uh, that he built it up for God. It was going to be built up upon using Bible principles. And man, oh man, that, that meant relationships are important. It meant that he cared more about his employees than he cared about his profits. And so... 
He goes to their weddings. He goes to the children's sports programs whenever he can tag into those. He, he goes to the hospital when his employees are sick. And so when uh, they need counseling, he pays for it. They get injured on the job. He goes beyond what the insurance company will do for them. He hired a new supervisor that within one month of being hired, he developed cancer. Terry kept him on at full, full salary. And Terry lived out his faith in Jesus Christ in front of this non-Christian man. And this non-Christian man gave his life to the Lord because of the example and the faith of Terry. A relative wrote, a relative of the man with cancer, I have told so many people about the Christian construction company in Alabama that is built on God, and you will not know the amount of lives that your life has touched. And that's what we're going to leave here this morning with. We're going to leave here today with what you can do where you work or the company that you own, and we are going to live out Jesus Christ to where whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Praise God. I, I do praise God. I praise God for the work that goes on here at CCM. And I thank God for Sunday school teachers and youth sponsors and elders and deacons. I thank God for you. I thank God for people that tithe their money because they recognize their money is not theirs. They recognize whose money is it. Everything belongs to God. Whatever we're dealing with, put Jesus first in your life. Make a difference in this life. People are watching even when you don't think they are. I was reading a chapter in a book just this week, and it was about a guy, an Air Force guy that came through a small town and he went through an intersection where two old ladies were having difficulty crossing the street. And this guy in the Air Force went through the intersection, pulled over his car, got out, and gave an arm to each old lady, and he helped them across the street. And a man inside his own business saw that. He took down the tag number, and he wrote, the commanding officer of the local Air Force base and said, I just wanted to let you know what kind of people you have. Wow. What kind of people are we? Are we going to take time to bless someone? Take time to kneel down with someone? Take time to pray with someone? Wow. Just letting Jesus live in us. Let's pray. Lord God in heaven, I praise you today in thanksgiving for Jesus. He made everything possible. I thank you, dear God, for men and women who uh, live out their lives. They are living in hard situations, in difficult situations, but they love you. And they prove it by uh, going to work and working in difficult situations as a Christian. They do it, dear God, that while they're going through the worst time of their life, they're still here worshiping you. They're still praising you. They're still carrying their Bible. Bless someone like that, Lord. I praise you, Father, because of what you did. 
by sending your son Jesus to Calvary's tree. And what you did for all of us by raising Jesus from the dead on the third day, showing and proving to us there is life after death, and we've got a home in glory. And dear God, while we're at it, thank you for promising us that you are with us always. And thank you for promising us that you're coming back one day for your church. So I pray for men and women that are struggling. I pray for men and women who are faithful. And I thank you for them. I'm praying for others to come like Jay Lee and give their lives to Jesus. I pray this in Christ's name, amen.